Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. This is totally not in my message. The message that I had prepared, I'm always excited about the Word of God. But just let me go ahead and say a couple of things about this week. And I'm not here to make political statements. Not. Somebody asked me this week, said, well, don't you feel like you need to take a stand? Somebody said, I do need to take a stand. I need to take a stand for the kingdom. You guys really, I don't know that you understand the, the depth of my commitment as, as, a, as a patriot. The, the old joke is you never were a Marine. You are one till you die. I guess that, I, I don't know if that's the case or not. But I served in the Marine Corps. I, guys, I'm there. But what I can't do is subordinate anything nationalistic to the kingdom of God. I can't do that. I can't do that. Our source is God, not Washington. Our source is the throne of God at the end of the day. Craziness is going to happen. Read all of Romans 8. When it says he causes all things to work together, then he gives us two lists of craziness that follow that. He says, you know, famine, nakedness, death, peril, or sword. But in all these things, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. It doesn't mean we should be pacifistic. Take a stand. Take a stand. Vote. Make a statement. Be passionate about it. But just don't make it the be-all, end-all. After you've voted, after you've done your thing, after you've done all that you can... Uh, then at the end of, if it doesn't work out the way you wanted, God didn't quit being holy. We serve a God that is, and I said this during devotions, and I'm, I'm not going to come in here every Sunday and read, summarize the devotions, but it is, it, this is so critical. If your faith is a he can faith first and not a he is, how many know that God can? Everybody got that? But I'm not, there's no trick here. God can. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, but without faith, it's possible to please God. And then that does, and after that, I believe it offers a definition. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, semicolon, and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. Let me, un, let me just unpack that. <clears throat> him being the rewarder of those who seek him, it means when I pray, I'm seeking God, I'm seeking from God, I'm seeking to know God, God responds to my prayers. God answers my prayers. How many are glad to know that God can and God does answer prayer? Come on. Okay, but what happens when we pray and he doesn't answer the way we wanted him to answer? God hasn't quit being he is. If a he is faith is not the biggest backdrop, if your faith is entirely built on he can, then you are going to be dashed against the rocks of life the next time you pray and he doesn't. Does everybody get what I'm talking about? We don't know that. We don't understand that mystery. I don't. I want God to answer every prayer I pray just the way I pray with the answers that I want. He doesn't have to think hard. I give him great details, exactly what I'm looking for. But amazingly enough, it doesn't always work out that way. But when the he can God does not, he still is. And after this week, we can look and say, oh, oh my goodness. I've said this before. I'm, I'm not young. I've said it at other elections. We go all crazy and up in arms, and even more so over the last 20 years. You know, the sky is falling. The sky is falling. 
I'm not saying there won't be problems. I'm not saying, hey, get over it. It's all going to be great. There may be political decisions made that will be devastating. They may be. But guess what? That's in that list of things in Romans 8. Nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Why is that important? You see that word holy? The other half of that coin, you can't talk about holy if you don't talk about love. Please listen to me. I'm going to have you say this back to me. The God who describes himself two ways primarily in saying he is. He said he is holy, he is love. Those are the two terms that God uses to describe himself more than any other in Scripture. And they go together. Listen to me. You can't know holy without love. You can't know love without holy. Holy, wholeness, God's completeness. Holy is the essence of love. Love is the function of holy. You see, I want to say that again. Holy is the essence of love. Let me, let me unpack that. When Brenda and I teach um, uh, premarital, or not, well, yeah, premarital as well, but marriage counseling, there's this pyramid we got from a counseling book 30 years ago. Look, they call it the relational pyramid. And on the bottom of the pyramid, there's like four levels. At the top is intimacy. So how, how can you have intimacy in, in your relationship? And we always have fun with that because invariably every time, not sometime, every time, if you split the room and ask the men what intimacy is, they give you one answer. And if you ask women, they give you an entirely different answer. So that's always fun. But we're working towards intimacy that's somewhere a blending of both answers. But on the bottom of that pyramid is individual emotional health. The next level up is communication because your communication will be influenced by the level of individual emotional health or the amount of wholeness you have. Here's the good news for believers. Guess what? When the Bible says, God our Father is holy, 1 Peter, and you shall be, can be, holy as He is holy, how many know that as believers we can have this constantly growing sense of personal wholeness, individual emotional health? Believers can grow, can be healthy. And then that influences our communication. The level just above that is conflict resolution, and then above that is intimacy. There's no increased expression of intimacy that doesn't pass through conflict resolution. And by the way, conflict resolution never ends in a neutral state. It doesn't end exactly where it was when it started. When you enter conflict, the relationship will either step backwards or go forward. There's no neutral ground. There's no neutral ground. But here's the point. At the bottom of that is individual emotional health. Here's the good news. Our wholeness comes from God. Our individual emotional health comes from God. In the craziness of this world that we live in, when it seems like every, every bit of common sense is being sucked out of the moment, we still have a God who is holy. Our God still is. We have to have a faith that God is even when God doesn't. <clears throat> Maybe I just need to finish everything I'm, I'm saying. Okay, then I will. You voted it in. My wife's nodding her head. <laughs> Haggai. Now, Amanda, I sent you that from my phone over there just a minute ago when I was listening to Riot Lead Worship. Look at this. For thus says the Lord of hosts, 
Once more in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also, and the dry land. Now, whether this past week has been the fulfillment of that, I don't believe it has been in any absolute sense. I believe we've seen this happen a lot through history, and I think we're going to see more shakings happen. But it's, would it not be safe to say that right now, we're probably in a little bit of a shaking, things we haven't seen before, our nation hasn't seen, just all sorts of that craziness. Okay, so it's safe enough that we have one of those circumstances. Here we go. Verse 7 says... I will shake the nations. They will come with the wealth of all the nations. I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Leave that verse right there, please. This passage of Scripture was in the midst or having the, the temple uh, that had been destroyed has, has now been completed in its rebuilding, and God's referring to the house of God. Did you know as we come to the New Testament, we, the church, are referred to as the temple of God, the people, the house of God? We are that. Everybody get that? We are that. So when you read about that, see, in the Old Testament, the house or temple of God was the place from which and through which God's glory would emanate into the world. And you see that at the dedication of the temple. But as you come to the New Testament, we are the temple, the church says the, the body of Christ and our, it says our body is, but, but we are, if, if, if you read that whole passage, here's the deal. We now are that, not, not, a, not a place of brick and stone, but we are that through which the glory of the Lord is to radiate out into the earth. Now let me show you. When it says here, um, I will shake all the nations and they will come with the, the word wealth right there, the actual word is desire. Now, by inference, it's translated wealth, because if you ask most people what they desire, what they desire is wealth, okay? Now, there are other things we desire, but it's, it's an inferential interpretation. But watch, when they come with their desires to the house of the Lord, what he's talking about, and that, uh, this did happen and will happen even more completely at the end of the age. But when they come to the desires, let's bring it home, when they come to this place, this house, New Hope Church, when they come where worshipers gather and they bring their desires only to walk in and find out that our desires aren't dis dif distinctly different from theirs, how massively disappointing must that be? It brings me to the chapter, the passage of Scripture I've been teaching on for some time again. And again this week, talking to some pastors. Isaiah, well, let me finish reading these verses of Scripture. He says, I will shake the nations. I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. How many know that that is a promise for us here as a gathered church? Not just New Hope, but anywhere believers gather together, he will fill this house with his glory. That's important because it is glory, the radiating, by the way, that's a term we'll be looking at tomorrow morning, transformation and glory. Glory is what holy does. Say that back to me. Glory is what holy does. Holy is an incomprehensible God who exists outside of everything else. Glory is the radiated effect. Isaiah chapter 6, the seraphim speaking says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty. The whole earth is full of what? His holy. It doesn't say that. It says the whole earth is full of His glory. The effect of holy is glory, irradiating, changing, altering. As we come to the New Testament, it says you're being transformed from glory to glory to glory to glory. It is the transforming power of God. I love this. Go ahead to that next verse if you would. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. And then verse 9, the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And of course it was because there wasn't the Shekinah glory of God that came into the temple, but Jesus, 
the God in the flesh would actually walk into that temple. And so the glory of the Lord that came when God in the flesh walked in is unimaginable, okay? Isaiah chapter 8, I got to say this even more passionately today. For thus the Lord spoke to me with mighty power and instructed me not to walk in the way of his people, saying, okay, for, uh, you are not to say it is a conspiracy in regard to all that people call a conspiracy, and you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. Now, if you go examine the passage and find out what particular conspiracy were they talking about at the time, there wasn't one. There wasn't one. Commentators and theologians agree. They are saying it hypothetically. They are saying when situations come that make you want to say, oh, oh, it's just out of control, it's a conspiracy, and I'm paranoid and I'm thrashing all about it. It's just don't do that. He says, that's what the people around you do. Let's keep going. They are not to say it is a conspiracy. Next verse, it is the Lord of hosts who you should regard as holy. Now, I taught on this six weeks ago and built the bridge that, the, that here in the verse 13 when he says, you shall regard as holy. I'm going to come back. Amanda, jump up to verse 14. Then he shall become a sanctuary. The word holy and sanctuary are the same root. The word sanctuary is typically translated a holy place. It's a safe place. In our nation right now, we have places that are self-named sanctuary cities. They take that word and use it, sanctuary. The temple of the Lord was known as the sanctuary, in case there's any confusion about that. But watch what happens. Back up to verse 13, please, if you will. He says, um, the Lord of hosts, you shall regard as holy, and he shall be your fear, and he shall be your dread. Back to verse 12 now, back to verse 12. You are not to say it's a conspiracy in regard to all that this people call a conspiracy. And you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. Why? Because our God's still holy. Either we believe that or not. Either we act on that or not. If people come into this place and we are still more led about by the whims of culture and the influences of culture than we are the kingdom of God, then tell me what answer do we offer them? If all they do is come in here and find we're just absolutely frenetic, bouncing off the wall because the world's falling apart, that's not the people of God. That's not the kingdom of God. Because if we believe God is, God is holy above all else, and that when it's all said and done, you remember, I'm going to build a bridge here back to a couple of weeks ago, the light still shines. Darkness can bring any expression it wants, but the light still shines. God is still holy. I'm, I'm building the same thing. It, the light doesn't flicker. It doesn't go out. God still shines. God doesn't flex, flinch, or react. He's just holy, and holy does what holy is. It glorifies stuff around it. It enables it. Mm -mm 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 -mm. I, yeah, am I frustrated? I am because I'm watching Christians just absolutely, believers freak out. That's not going to be, by God's grace, that is not going to be the case here. We're going to worship God. We're going to have a first Friday in worship. I'm so excited about that. Because if you want to know what to do when there's chaos going around you, believers need to do everything we can to invite God's manifest presence into it. What other way to do that than sing songs, create a throne of praise, and ask for that authority to be erected right here in our midst and in our nation? We would dare to do that. 
When the world's going crazy, we need holy. When the world is going sideways, we need holy. We need to know that we can see what John saw when he was worshiping in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and he said, and a door opened, and I saw a throne. And guess what? The one who has been on it was still on it. God hasn't abandoned his throne. You talk about chaos, this guy was stuck on an imprisoned island. And he was worshiping. What's wrong with him? He should be contacting his congressman. Get me out of here. Get me out. There was no recourse. He's worshiping. He, he, either, either we believe this or we don't. Either we do this or we don't. Either you go from here and you worship and they can tell you. This week I discovered that if I have a different opinion from your opinion, then I'm in denial. That's a joke, hopefully. Someone wrote about something and I said, well, perhaps not, blah, 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 blah. So their response was, you're in denial. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Uh, you're right I am denying that what you're declaring is the center of my life based upon the worldview that I hold God is God is holy God still will be and we need that power and presence okay here's the deal it's over and some of you for those of you who don't believe it's over we'll get past January 20th and at least that's going to be some threshold now once we get past that and we find out that whatever politics hasn't brought whatever sense of peace and calm and and anticipation for the future. (laughs) What do we do with the moment? I thank God for the moment. Did I want that outcome? Probably not. But now that it's here, what am I going to do? You want to know why Paul tells you why? To offer thanks in the face of situations you don't like in everything, in all things and everything. Why? Because thanks does two things. If you read it, hear me. Whatever we give thanks for is a declaration of my holy. That's in Revelation chapter 4. We studied it weeks ago. But when I begin to offer thanks, I invite grace into a situation. That word literally means grace giving. Thank you. Father, I'm inviting a release of grace. I got a lot to say to you this morning. We got to have a compass reset. We have to have a compass reset. I, I am praying for revival and renewal when, when, when the economics fail or whatever fails, politics or the vaccine fail, God is still holy. And perhaps if he creates a desperate enough situation, the church will absolutely sort of shake itself and shake off all the other things that we're using to try and bring about the kingdom. And we'll start to worship, pray, fast, seek the face of God, and see his presence brought to bear on a situation bringing outcomes we could never quantify. Because God is holy. He is the God still that said, let there be and there was. And so when we make that declaration, holy, holy, holy. Father, we we need our our hearts filled with holy. Let me see what time it is. I've already gone too long. I need just a few more minutes. Okay, this is not good homiletics is the term that describes how you lay out your communication. I fail massively at that every week. 
but the, the other big word, hermeneutics, the substance of the word, I get that right. So if you'll just hang with me long enough, we get there. So you got to hang with me. Just come on, look at me and say amen. Amen. <laughs> mm. I think I'll cut to chase here. Weeks ago, you can go online and watch the message. Amanda, can you put up my particle man and just get, or at least get it ready? I talked to you about how spiritual gifts work in us. The phrase, term spiritual gifts, comes from a word that looks very much like the English word, charisma. We use that word for charm or personality or whatever, but it is the Greek word charisma, C-H-R-I-S-M-A. And that word in the original language, the word charis, C-H-R-I-S, is the first half. The M-A means, and this is important to get, a concrete expression of whatever noun it's attached to. This has bitten my heart and soul. So that word means a concrete expression of grace. Grace. And in the middle of the night about a month ago, I was thinking, God, what does grace look like before it becomes concrete? Now see, God intends for you and for me to be a concrete expression of grace. A concrete expression. You see, our first study of grace years ago from Romans 5 informed us, and we, and we goodness, we spent six months there. The 180 times that grace shows up in the New Testament. I didn't teach on all of them, but a bunch of them. Everybody was... I think drowned in grace after six months, but it means the pushback. It's the power. Grace is the power of God to push back and withhold and create a space where people can um, engage truth. That's an important word. We, he, became, he came full of grace and truth. Grace is that pushback that comes around your life, son. And when the forces of darkness in this world are pressing in and it's squeezing, suddenly grace, as you begin to pray, as you begin to go to God's word, as you begin to offer praise and you manifest a throne of grace, it begins to push back against that and creates a spot. But it's the force of grace. So I, I, saw, I, I was just in the middle of the night saying... It was just right out loud. I don't know why. It wasn't a vision. It was just a thought. But God, what, what does it look like before it comes on? And then a whole bunch of stuff happened that I won't go into this morning. But let me just say this, especially for you who are students of Scripture, that in John chapter 1, light, grace, and truth all sort of merge together. And so this whole sense of light Oh, goodness. I'll just, I got to stop right there because if I go, then I'll start chasing science stuff. I believe the universe, the cosmos, is full of these unformed particles of grace. But when you say yes to Jesus Christ and you were born again, God filled us with unformed particles of grace waiting to take on a concrete expression, waiting to come together. Run that little video right here. I want us to see something. There it is. Just grace. At cra it goes too fast. It needs to go longer. But when I said yes to Jesus Christ, you can't see up close, but that body figure right there, you see the grace around, the particles around it, but he's full of particles in him. Um, that statement is, when I said yes to Jesus Christ, 
That's what happened. Come on, somebody get this with me. I don't know of a better way. I, God just poured into me a billion particles of unformed promise, grace. I've been full, filled up with grace. Now, why is that important? Because in this world, in this, and I'm, I'm just condensing a whole very lengthy, well, a longer teaching I had set aside. Because in the face of this craziness, how do we make it through this year? 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Just hang with me for just one more minute. We'll get to the end of this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. He says this, such confidence, it's mid-text here, such confidence we have through Christ towards God, but uh, not that we are, would everybody say this, adequate? There's three times you're going to, everybody say adequate. Now, how many wonder if you're, right now, with the craziness we've seen in the first 10 days of the year, how many are wondering, am I adequate to even survive this year in the United States of America? Are we adequate to survive? You know, what, how can we do this? There's this syndrome that they have identified called imposter syndrome. And imposter syndrome is the suspicion that if people find out who you really are, they'll understand that you're not enough that you're not all that. 70% of adults suffer from that at some point. 30% of highly successful business people and professional people suffer from the grip of that. I've confessed to you, I haven't called it that, one who lived in the grip of that because of what that Cub Scout leader said to me when he was molesting me. You're not normal. If you ever tell anybody about what's happened, they'll put you in a mental institution because you're not normal. So you live with that sense of not being enough. This powerful scripture here, it says, not that we are adequate. This word, hikanos, is translated exactly that in other places, enough. At one point in the book of Luke, uh, they would come to him and said, well, you told us not to get swords. Now we got swords. Look here or two. And Jesus says, it is enough. This same word, it is enough. Three times Paul says it, not that we are adequate in and of ourselves to consider anything is coming from ourselves. How many know that's a good place to start? How are you feeling you can survive this year because you're looking at the things you normally lean on to give you the sense of everything's going to be okay, but what happens when those things we lean on are shaken? And, and the things that I leaned on, politics and economics, what happens if it does go away? The Bible never promises that that won't go away. Did you get that? Did you know that? He never, never said, matter of fact, in Romans 8, he gives us a list, includes this stuff. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything is coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, that's the second time, who made us adequate as servants of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. You know, I got to show you something else. If you guys want to have a consultation team that, that's designed for your effectiveness and your success, let me, let me look and see if I can find something I just remembered from this passage. Um, hang on one second. It's worth the wait. Hang on, hang on, hang on, because it mentions here, kind of toward God, so if it is coming. Okay, look at verse 4. Actually, look at verse 5. I want to show you something, okay? You ready? You're talking about a consultation team, verse 5, but our adequacy is where? 
Where does it come from? What are the last two words? Come on, everybody say, from God. Okay, good, from God. Go back to verse 4. Such confidence we have. Verse 4, please, Amanda. Uh, Okay, everybody see that? I'm looking for two words. Through Christ. Through Christ. Everybody say, through Christ. Okay, everybody say, from God. Through Christ. Look at verse 6. Who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the... Okay, the Spirit. I love this. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. I love this. It is from God, through Christ, of the Spirit. Beloved, please hear me. When you're standing at the front 10 days into a new year, wondering, am I adequate? Is my faith adequate? God reminds you. He says, I've brought you a triad of a consultation team that the rest of the world would die to have. I didn't just bring it to you on my own, but the Father said, it's from me, it's through him, and it's by him. God said, I've provided it. It was brought to you, purchased by the blood of Christ. It has been activated by the Holy Spirit. How many are thrilled to know that your personal coaching, now everybody has a personal coach, that you have a life coach made up of of the ultimate and supreme consultation team called the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I I know that's so huge. It's like, yeah, dude, that's big, but that doesn't really get to where I live. It does get to where we live. And the problem is I don't think we believe it gets to where we live. But I like an associated term that says says it all in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I love this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Put that up there, Amanda, and we'll end right here. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, uh, go on to verse uh, 8 because I don't want to have to explain this right now. Uh, Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. Verse 9, here it comes. And he said to me, everybody ready? My grace is sufficient. My grace is adequate. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Okay, well, what does that mean? My grace is sufficient for you. Oh, man, I don't know what programs you have to jump between, but maybe this will, can you just put our particle man back up there again so that we can get an idea of what this means? Watch. How many here have ever said, just leave that running in a loop. How many here have ever said yes to Jesus Christ as Savior? Shout amen. You know, the day you did that, you became a vessel of grace, full of grace, overflowing. Do you know to know that's your picture there? I don't know why this has bitten me so deeply about unformed particles of grace waiting to take on a concrete expression. But when, when Paul writes, my grace is sufficient, he said, in my weakness, power is brought to bear. Why? Because in my own part of, sense of weakness, it doesn't change the fact that I am a vessel full of a billion particles of grace. I haven't found the right way to preach this yet. When I do, it's going to be igniting. But in the face of a nation that may go crazy, that doesn't change the fact that there's a billion particles of grace inside me waiting to take on a concrete expression. 
of prayer, praise, worship, giving, whatever. You know, these things are all listed. When Brenda mentioned giving a little while ago, I wanted to come out and just scream, hey, in 2021, more than ever, make a commitment to give generously in worship and release grace. That, that's a, one of the means of releasing grace. It's one of the concrete expressions of grace. How many know we need grace released into the moment? And how many know God is not just interested in leaving those billion particles of grace floating around in us so we can glow in the dark? He wants us to glow in the dark and become a concrete expression of grace. Be a voice that's different than just an echo chamber of culture. The church has to be a place with more than religious rhetoric that is simply rephrasing everything that's on the front of the pages of the newspaper or banner lead statements or stories from news media. It's not who we are. It's not who we are. <laughs> you know, the, um, the um, payroll protection and the whole assistance, there's been another round of that. The first time around, that was a blessing and a benefit to the church. Boy, did it help us out of a hole. And so it came around again, and churches are able to apply for it again. Now, I'm about to offer a testimony, and historically when I've done this, it can often affect our giving. But I am not going to not offer thanks and give a testimony to God because of what people may or may not do. Do you want to know what? We're not qualified for the second time around. We're not qualified because our giving increased through the year on top of it. We're not qualified. We're not qualified. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that when God qualifies us and makes us adequate, do you know, the, there's one other place this word shows up and it's in Colossians. And it says, I'm praying for you that the spirit of, that you would have spiritual knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And he mentions there, and he talks about at the very closing of it, he said, who has qualified us, qualified us to be saints of God in light, in light. Beloved, I love being disqualified by the world. Because it's that point that our Savior, our holy God, steps up and He said, I qualified you. I qualified you through being born again. I've poured into you. We don't believe this in a measurable amount of grace. I want to call names out right now of people sitting here. I want to call the name out of a young mother that was told she was nothing, raised by parents that didn't affirm her, and in the last three or four months, she's decided to lean on grace. She's decided to say, wait a minute, I don't have to be that because I was made to feel inadequate. There's a God who has made me feel adequate. And she looked at me a couple of weeks ago and had tears in her eyes, sent me a lengthy text message, and then I got to see her. And she says, you just can't believe what's going on in me. You can't believe what's happening. Beloved, that's a lifetime. That's over, that's three decades of, of influence being reversed by a deposit of grace in the life of a person. 
The outcomes don't have to be that way. His grace is sufficient. There's a billion particles of unformed promise and potential in us that God is waiting to bring to bear on culture. In this house of worship, we're not going to bounce off the wall and live in the grip of fear because Isaiah says this, hear me, when you fear what they fear, you make holy what they make holy, and their sanctuary becomes your sanctuary. Washington, D.C. is not my sanctuary. Wall Street is not my sanctuary. The throne of God is my sanctuary. He said he inhabits the praises of his people. And I am thankful we are coming to a day when the church is going to be the church. And if you're not, it's going to die. Because we will live and thrive on grace and worship and the word of God, not on any peripheral thing, or we will not survive. Father, place that demand on us. Put the squeeze on us. Put us in that place to be the voice, to be the light, to be the concrete expressions of grace you've called us to be. We're going to worship. We're going to stand before God in worship, being confident that He will go before us in warfare, and He will. Let's stand together this morning. Hallelujah. Got a lot more to tell you, but I want you to look at a person somewhere near you. I mean this. You need to say it. It's not just words. And I want you to say, you're adequate. You're adequate. Come on, tell them. You're, that word means enough. Enough. Is there anybody here that's wondered if you're, if, 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 I'm, if I'm just enough to survive 2021 because it looks like it might be taken off as crazy or more than 2020? It may be. I'm not a doomsday prophet. It may be more crazy than 2020, but God is still enough and you're enough because the grace that is in you is enough. It's enough. It's enough. You're enough. We're going to make it. We're not just going to scrape along. We're going to make it. We're overcomers. Man, somebody hear this today. I'm not talking about stuff in the world. Man, I just love until I die to have a great economy. Or anything you bought, you could sell a year later and you're going to make money on it and it's great, but that may not happen. But His grace is still sufficient and I am still adequate to the task. I would love for God to answer every prayer in my life and for every person to be healed. But my experience in the funerals I've preached, frankly, has taught me that that probably won't happen. I'm going to pray with faith expecting. But I want to tell you on the other side of that, God is enough. I am enough. And His grace is sufficient. Oh my goodness gracious. All throughout that Colossians passage, this is where I was going to land today, was talking about, he says, you may feel like you're not enough, but I've qualified you. Watch this. So that you'll have spiritual knowledge, spiritual wisdom, and spiritual understanding. Would everybody say knowledge, wisdom, and understanding? Knowledge. knowledge can be empirical observations about, in other words, I have knowledge that that's a straight board. I know. I can observe. Understanding is a neat term that means the disconnected pieces and how they flow together for purpose. Isn't that an amazing word? The otherwise disconnected pieces and how they flow together in purpose. Everyone listen to me, please. But in between knowledge and understanding is spiritual wisdom. Wisdom. 
God's given that to you. That verse says, I've qualified you. I've given you, you're going to face disconnected pieces and don't know how they flow together in purpose. You have the knowledge to see what's going on around you. What do I do? God says, I've qualified you to receive wisdom, to know what to take with knowledge and how to plug it into your life. We're going to be fine. Preach that message from the book of Revelation. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay because God is holy. I can't tell you, you've got to have holy as the backdrop against your faith. If you're not, it'll crash. But you are adequate. God's grace is sufficient. You're full of grace. Look at the person again and say, you are enough in 2021. You are enough. All of that from singing this song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That we would dare to make that declaration in the face of a world that's lost its mind that our God is still whole and complete and we're informed by Him alone. Okay, everybody got that? This is going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year of grace taking on concrete expressions in our life and in our church like never before. I told you this has not gone away. I, I repented and said that should a particular political platform win the day where abortion becomes more of accepted and even readily defined and readily available than ever, that New Hope Church, one way or the other, we were going to get involved in finding and starting our own clinic and adoption agency. I've since contacted a couple of other people, and that hasn't gone away. One way or the other, we're going to either be directly connected with one where we have influence, or we're going to have our own. Because in the face of a world that may take this the other direction, what are we going to do? Oh, we're going to cross our arms, and we're going to say, no, your grace is enough. Father, we want you to take on a concrete expression of grace and answer to the culture through us at New Hope Church. And one of those practical means is is going to be doing that, and we're going to do that. By God's grace, I, I'm just praying that little vision He's given me of a clinic, a place where a young uh, mother can come and receive a sonogram and see that child, because statistics say if they ever see it, there's an 80% chance there's a shift, and I'm not going to abort this, and that there are going to come families that will step up in a network of relationship and adopt babies and take them in. Why? Because a concrete expression of grace through the church of Jesus Christ doesn't mean we just sat, stand on the side and offer good ideas ideas. No, it means we step into the fight, we step into the situation, and we want to say, not only say Jesus is the answer, but I'm going to be part of the answer too. I'm going to get involved. Why? Because there's a concrete expression of grace at work in me and through me. We're going to do that. Everybody ready for 2021? I am. I'm telling you, I got my teeth grit, my jaw set, and saying, uh, and, and saying, bring it. Bring it. Bring it. Bring it, bring it. We're not people of fear. We're not people who fall away shaking. We are not. Why? Because our God is holy. He still am that He am. And when I am wondering if I am strong, He said, I am strong if you're not. I got you covered. You're qualified. You're qualified. All right, enough said. Father, may that be our cry this year. Can we sing Grace is Enough song? Great. I want to sing that. 
this year in Jesus' name. I pray that our worship becomes more passionate, vibrant, penetrating, piercing. Listen to me. I just got to wipe the slate clean. I know we've been here a little bit longer than usual. Everyone listen to me. Listen. The other questions I've gotten is, what about all these prophecies that said a particular outcome was going to happen, and then it didn't happen? Oh, these are false prophets. And what it's making us do is throw out the prophetic. I'm not here to support a prophet or a prophecy, but beloved, please hear me. Before you get in on all this ravenous stuff of, oh, so-and-so's a false prophet, let's go burn their church down or storm them, or, or any of the foolishness that's out there, we've got to quit being so stupid. We be in the church. Forgive me for just saying it like that. But in the Old Testament, there were two categories of the prophetic. There was right and false. A false prophet leads a person away from God and directs worship away from God. The same way the Antichrist and the false prophet in Revelation does the same thing. Does that. But as we enter the New Testament, there's a third category of the prophetic, and that is wrong. There's right, wrong, and false. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 says, let two or three prophesy and let the others judge it. You want to know why we judge it? Because we can be wrong. We can be wrong. I do believe that prophecies need to be offered more with holy hesitation than hubris and bravado. Well, thus saith the Lord, as if they're speaking God, you know, to, to instead humbly say up and say, I, I stand up and say, I, I believe I received this to the Lord. And in humility and hesitation, I offer it to your consideration and judgment. But we have to have this bravado, frankly, that irritates me because there's nothing of humility in it whatsoever. Enough said. That's about most I say. But can I tell you that these guys that prophesy that, and I don't care about the substance of it, or I'm not defending the substance. I'm here defending prophecy. That they were wrong. They're wrong. They're not guys trying to direct worship away from God. They were guys that lost track of where the passion of their flesh overlaps with the principles of the Spirit. And it bled over, and they were wrong. That's it, wrong. Everybody got that? So don't throw the baby out with the prophetic baby out with the bathwater and think, oh, all this prophecy stuff, it's not any good. No, the prophetic declaration, my wife stands here often and others who will prophetically declare something to the lives of people. And I love the definition of prophecy from my mentor. Let me just wipe my slate clean and I'll be good to go next week. You can exhale. Where he says, the prophetic is a moment in time when God penetrates our humanity with a fresh sense of purpose and promise. A moment in time when God penetrates our humanity with a fresh sense of purpose and promise. And that can happen here in the morning with a preached word, with a declared prophetic word. We're going to believe in the prophetic. And just because people got impassioned and didn't know where the line of the flesh and the line of the spirit stopped and started, and they were wrong, it doesn't mean we're going to throw out the prophetic. Everybody hear that? I'm here in defense of that today. I'm not here in defense of the prophets. They were just wrong. They need to own it. But that happens. Everybody get what I'm talking about? We can still trust the Word of God, the prophetically declared Word of God, the prophetically sung Word of God. We can still trust it, and we're not going to allow abuse to tell us to stop using it. We're going to press in more than ever. You don't want to miss these worship nights. Father, I love you and praise you. I thank you for the opportunity to share your Word. Now, Lord, I, I mean this. I pray that you take this shotgun blast of some of a pastor's frustrations 
and that you direct it into an overcoming expression of your grace. We're qualified. We're able. We're not going to get caught in the whirlwind and craziness of our nation and be sucked into the same conclusions that everyone is making. We will not have the same conclusions because we have night vision. God, you shine into the darkness. You're the light in us shining through us, and we will see a path forward. We will be not only survive it, we'll be part of the answer. Father, your grace is sufficient working in us, and we want to be a concrete expression of grace this year in our town, right here in this neighborhood, in our state, Father. We want, we want to start right here in the name of the living God. I love you. I praise you. I worship you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.